When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook Em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. I woke up to the morning sky first. Oh, yes, sir, and yes, ma'am, you had better. Well, let's get them up, get them going. I think the rain has subsided and moved out. Cool temperatures if not, but it is Wednesday on Hook'em Up with Ian Rod B. Midweek already coming off the new year. Coming off of a disappointing loss for the Longhorns on Monday night. Now it's uh, time to continue to discuss what could have been and what is and what will be moving forward for the Texas Longhorns. Also get ready for a college football national championship game on Monday night. Number one versus number two. Pair of 14-0 teams. As we say, the Longhorns now left to wonder what could have been. Uh, and what happened on Monday night. Still uh, recapping that conversation for a lot of those folks who were in New Orleans, maybe didn't hear our show yesterday morning. Uh, we'll re-rack a lot of those conversations about the game Monday night, uh, what the Longhorns did well and what they didn't do well, and how the, uh, the Longhorns lost 37-31. Uh, also, plenty of college football conversation moving forward. Also, week 18 in the NFL on a Wednesday, uh, third day of the new year. We'll have to start turning our attention to the final weekend of the regular season, including the Cowboys looking to lock up a division championship. Uh, the Texans uh, and the Colts will play essentially the first AFC playoff game on Saturday night. So we got a bunch to preview there as well. Basketball and other conversations as well. It's going to be a busy Wednesday. Five hours in our five-hour day-by-day conversation begins right now. We appreciate you being there wherever you're finding us. Maybe it's on 1019 on the FM dial. Could be AM 1260. Of course, always streaming. Take us wherever you go. Touch of a button all over the great state, all over the world with that Horn app. And always, Mr. Uh, Rod Babers at hornfm.com. Yeah, good to see Rod. He uh, was in studio yesterday while I was in New Orleans, now back from the uh, – Brutal drive from New Orleans oh, back man. to Austin. That was bad. Uh, he is sure uh, was. our uh, our football theorist. He is our he's Black Stradamus. He's from the uh, seven one three DB High down there in Houston, Texas. Also DBU right here in the ATX. A lifetime Longhorn, proud Papa Baby Monroe, and Happy New Year to you uh, in person, Mr. Rod Babers. How are you? Uh, I'm doing great, man. Uh, I'm glad to have you back. Thanks for the uh, hospitality as always and the intro. And uh, yeah, glad you were safe on that road. Was it packed with Longhorn oh. Di- disappointed Longhorn fans on the road? It was. I mean, as I'll say it again. I mean, it was, uh, and I'm not alone here. Everybody that had to drive back yesterday or did drive back yesterday experienced exactly the same thing. Uh, as easy it is to get there, because we made it, because we left early Saturday morning and really made it between six and seven hours, like six and a half hours, just you know, put it on cruise control, yeah. you know, get through, got through Houston like early in the morning, like nine o'clock, and no traffic there. Uh, weather was good. Cruised in New Orleans mid-afternoon, early afternoon on uh, Saturday. Uh, as easy it is to get there is as difficult as it is to get out. I mean, yeah. you, anybody that knows New Orleans, there's one way out, right? It's I-10. So if you're going going back west. Going back, yep. And so, and it's almost like a, 
Well, I guess I could compare it to I've never been in one, but it's kind of like a storm evacuation, right? I mean, when you're trying to get people out because there's a storm coming, oh, man. heading for high ground. I mean, there's just there's one way out, and there's what you know, yeah. sixty, seventy thousand Longhorn fans. Yeah, it's miserable. A lot of whom, a lot of whom who have drove in, yeah. uh, and it's just it bottlenecks. I mean, Baton Rouge traffic's a nightmare. Um, you know, what took you know six and six and a half, seven hours to get there took. 10 hours, 11 hours to get home because of traffic uh, out of Baton Rouge and Lafayette and, and, you know, every little, every little town you hit, not town, Lake Charles, you just, you bottleneck. And then Houston, we, because of the delays getting out of the state of Louisiana, you, you hit, we hit rush, we hit rush hour in Houston. (laughs) We hit Houston at 530 trying to go west out into Katy and down I-10. Fortunately, thank God they have the, uh, the expressway. I mean, the, yeah, now you have the Katy tollway and you can get on the, uh, The, the, the pass-through still. And then when we got oh. to uh, all along about Columbus, you were greeted with the thunderstorm of all thunderstorms. <laughs> so yeah, the, it came the, out of nowhere too. Yeah, so you're yeah. driving in the rain for the last couple oh. of hours. And uh, so it, it was one of those, uh, as the driver, it was uh, – And a disappointment on your, on, your yeah. heart, on your heart. It was different because you the optimism you drove in with too. <laughs> yeah. You had a different attitude about things you drove in. Yeah, even, it's, you know. So uh, if you had to do that yesterday, Ty, I heard you in my ear there. You guys, you, I'm sure you experienced these. And there's, no, there's no avoiding it, right? It's just – Take your pain, pack your patience, and uh, and uh, you know this is where they can go. How was your trip back there, Mister Ty? Uh, it was it was terrible. My uh, the guy I drove up with, I I drove the whole way there, and I expected him, you know, to to drive at least part of the way back. But he had work yesterday, and he was oh, working in the car the whole time, and oh. I was teetering. I had probably drank about twenty cups of coffee slash Red Bulls yesterday. It was it was a bad day, and I didn't even drink at the game either, so I wasn't even hungover. I was just tired. It was tired. Yes, it was. It was kind of a draining couple of days for sure. And I know it was for you, Rod. You weren't in New Orleans, but you were on the on on, on web web streams. Yeah, you were we on radio. Bringing bring hey, bringing the info and the news to the people. Yeah, uh, well, I had fun doing it, and it was great. I mean, that's what honestly. I, I I do it all over again. That's what if you're a Longhorn fan, that's what you've been waiting for for the last 15 years. Those types of problems, right? Well, <laughs> and that's what we'll start with the show with, that's right? A beautiful I, thing, man. You know, you know it's. It, I'll say this for Longhorn fans, and yes, a lot of disappointed fans. By the way, uh, our, our our other producer Brock is in studio. He's producing Coke FM this morning. Oh, shout out to my man, bro. And I heard from some 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 accountable sources that uh, he had his passenger throw up in the car. Oh no! Oh come on! Is man. that true, Ty? Have you heard this story? Uh, yeah, oh, no. he he let me in. I, this I think morning. he was. I think he went to social media with it too. That his oh. they had to stop it multiple places so the passenger could vomit oh. somewhere. And how they then he ended up in the car. He said they, they had, had to stop six them. times <laughs> for him to throw up. A little bit hungover, huh? Oh man, I see. Can yeah. I just report that I will? I don't want to throw my son under the bus, but we had that. Indi- we had that situation after the first day in time, blaming you 100. Yeah, percent my son. That's my my bad. son Sorry. caught up with you on day one. My son Nolan who works oh, at the station no. part-time. He caught up with Ty on day Ty. one, on Saturday. Doing it Ty style. And what do I hear at 8 in the morning from the hotel room? <laughs> oh, Ty. That's what I immediately said. Ty, dang it. You can't hang out with Ty without consequences. They yeah, last, I, last I heard he had given – Ty had brought him a couple hurricanes or something. Yeah. Right? And he, doesn't, yeah. he doesn't drink that much. That, was, uh, that was the only day where – I feel like I grew up a little bit on this trip. It was the, that was the only day where I, was, I woke up the next morning. I was like, what happened last night? What, I went home at 10.30 that night. Though, so it was, well, because you started it too. Yeah, that's true. 
That is fair. Yeah, if you do, if you do it for eight something hours, then I yeah, think that's you need true. to take a break. All right, before we get started, shout out uh, to those who serve and happy new year to each and every one of you. Uh, for those who serve as well, we do it every morning and we are happy and proud to do it. Our society built on the selflessness of service. So for all those who are out there doing uh, God's work, whether you're serving God, country, or community, uh, we want to know that I want you to know uh, that we appreciate each and every one of you. Uh, firefighters, the teachers, the nurses, uh, the soldiers, uh, the officers of the law, each and every one of y'all, we appreciate you. No question. No happy question. Happy New Year, too. Happy, happy New Year. And yeah, let us hear your stories of treachery trying to get back from New Orleans. Oh, but at the same man. time, to your point, Rod, we, you know, we did a lot of uh, coverage from New Orleans from here. You were all over the place. Uh, bringing it, bringing it to the people, and I know the people are disappointed, right? It's frustrating to have a month to prepare, and you know, really your team plays a you know C kind of level game, and but they still had a chance to win. I mean, so we'll be talking about those final four plays from the eleven yard line for the entire off season of what could have been. Uh, end of the day, you tip your cap to Washington and say they were the better team on that night and probably deserved to win the game. But it's a lot better having this angst than the apathy of the previous 10 years, right? I, I mean, it. I mean yeah, it's so I'll, much better. <laughs> I'll take it all day, every day. When we deal with this disappointment, uh, you know, consistently over and over again, say we have this issue, you know, five out of the next 10 years, you know what, then we can start complaining about, you know, the, the, they, they, they got to get over the hump. They got to do better. They got to get to the national title. But it was, this was a special team. And I did find myself, you know, usually I'm rewatching uh, the game. I lost. I'm watching it with some anger. I'm frustration, right? Uh, but not. I actually watched it kind of with some joy in my heart. It was an interesting rewatch of that game, and uh, I do think that's kind of I'll credit the team with that. I hadn't had that in a while. I don't think I've had that in a long time. You got to go back to like maybe oh nine, maybe 2018. I had yeah. some of those. Maybe. I mean, it's yeah. so much better. You know, <laughs> even with the traffic trying to get through Baton Rouge and everything that comes with it, and the, the, the disappointment in your heart, as you say, Rod, as a fan. It's, all, it's still a lot better than driving back from San Antonio in an Alamo Bowl or yeah. Houston in a Texas Bowl. <laughs> oh, so, sometimes Longhorn fans didn't even take the trip, and they were like an hour, uh, two hours away. They're like, yeah, nah, I'm not yeah, going. Yeah. And, I'm not into it. And we'll, we'll, we'll get into it behind the burnt orange curtain and in Rod's rants and then just our general conversation of why maybe they, we, we think they played a, a you know, C-level game. It was not their best. The defense, you know, and that was expected against the number one passing offense in the country, but yeah. they didn't do anything exotic, to, I don't think, to shake it up much. I don't know, um, honestly, if there, there's anything they could do. Obviously, there are, there are things you, you, you have to try to uh, deploy, uh, but I, I saw everything, and Michael Penix is shredded. Oh, he was great. I mean, that's one. That's where you tip your cap to who, a guy who I – if I had had a Heisman vote, he and I said this on this show, if I had a Heisman vote, he would have been my vote. I just think he was the best player in college football this year. And, again, he had, he had dips in his season. Uh, and I think that's probably why Jalen Daniels won it at LSU because of just the consistent play, even though his team lost three or four games in the year. Um, that's the difference right there. That is the difference, the, the losses. Well, they have the longest winning streak in the country. 21 he, wins. He makes others around him better. Yeah, he it elevates. Is, it is just that clear, right? He's well, we had him. somebody text us He's yesterday on our, on, our day after, on our day after coverage and said, now I know what it felt like to be rooting for Vince Young against the opposing teams because when Vince Young would rip, you know, the, the opponents watching then, this too going, do, like, God dang do. it. God <laughs> dang it, he's well, good. Yeah, the coaches are saying the same thing. They got the same frustration. There was, like I said, that was very – I've watched it now three times. Very little that I, I, I would have asked PK to do that he didn't try at one well, time. Well, that's great to hear because I know Longhorn fans are frustrated, but at the same time, yeah, what do you do against Vince or Joe Burrow back in the day with LSU? It's just You might be talking about that level. Yeah, you might be talking about that and level. He was in the zone. It wasn't just that he's a great player. He's got all of that, all those high-level tools, but he was playing his best football. He was in the zone. His wide receivers were playing their best. Their best players 
were playing their best football. Braylon Trice. Braylon Trice, the playing pass his rusher. Best yeah. I mean, every every one of their best players played one of their best games. And that's the frustrating part <laughs> for the Longhorns is their best players didn't, right? No. They didn't have the huge impact games from their best players, and they still had right four there. chances from the 12-yard line that's, to win the game. That's why Longhorn fans are so frustrated. That's why you're getting a little vitriol because I think we accepted already that they had lost like early in the fourth quarter, and I think everybody was cool with it. I started eating, doing some stuff. I was like, I got to get ready for this. Yeah, when it was I left. I left. Yeah. I left. Exactly. After the kick. <laughs> it, the, the, there was a literally I, – I, and everybody was, you know, pissed off walking. No one was even looking at the score, and I was like, you know what, like – let me let me look at just make sure you know. It, it, hold on, be hold crazy. on. You left after you left after the onside kick. Oh, and I, I was so that. pissed off. I was yeah. I mean, I, I walked out of there. I was like, all right, whatever. You know, I'm gonna go home, get some sleep, drive back. I was already thinking about that, and then I was like, wait. Yeah. And I screamed at the entire people. I was like, guys. We have the ball at the twenty yard line. I don't know what happened. And everyone sprinted to find a TV. And that's kind of the way. Oh, it was awesome. I know I was I was doing the in game watch with Bobby Burton on on Texas football, and we were starting to talk about the off season yeah, and what's to come. Exactly. And, and it, it's really because of the you know Washington played their A level game against Texas's C level game. Until that moment, right? I mean, the, the injury Kay, to Dylan Kay Johnson. Kalen DeBoer's game management. Kalen DeBoer's game management. All of a sudden, because, like, you know, Bobby and I are doing the math. He's like, okay, onside kick. You have two timeouts. They're going to pump the You're ball. Have like 15 seconds, yeah, they'll, maybe. They, yeah, they'll pump the ball. Longhorns yeah. will have a long field with about 15 seconds to go, maybe a chance at a Hail Mary. And instead, they have 50 seconds, <laughs> and then they get a uh, kick, 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 you know, punt return interference, 15-yard penalty. On, on the randomly, on what is it, the, the snapper? Yeah. There's a snapper. Like, when is a snapper run? Everybody else was very kind of laissez-faire with that punter. Like, now nah, we'll just let him catch it, and then we'll start because they're obviously – and even Jay Witt said, he was like, oh, obviously I was going to – you know, fair catch it. I wasn't going to try to run that football. I mean, I was going to fair catch it. And the snapper didn't know it. He was the one that was really hyped for that play. Yeah. I did not understand. Yeah, he that ran into the kick returner. Oh. And so you're, you got the ball at the 30-yard line. Then it's a 41-yard strike to Jay, Jay Witt. And oh. next thing you know, you're – It was a Jay Witt drive. Then, then, then uh, Jaden Blue makes a heck of – I mean, how about a running back making that catch out of bounds with the foot in The one inbound? he missed earlier. Yeah. It was the one he was – He missed just, the deep The one that's a short choice was set him down and had the grown man-to-man conversation with him. And he went up – and that, that was a great story of redemption within that game. That was a great – Jaden Blue's catch at the end was a great story of redemption. Well, despite that, despite his, his fumble and that drop, I, th- I thought yeah, he played his ass off. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, cause he had moments. He had he had some really low moments, but he had some really highs, some highs of highs. Which, which what a young player is going to give you, all right? Because they're inconsistent. They don't have a baseline of performance. But then in that clutch moment, and and for Sark to still call it, and for Quinn to still have the the confidence that he's going to catch it, I thought that was a great moment within the game. It's a redemption well, and, for and, a player. Yeah, and, and that set up what you know. All of a sudden, you're thinking. We, we're, what? <laughs> yes. we're, we're, they have a chance to win this game. You're reinvesting, and You're Washington reinvesting. fans are in full panic mode because they controlled the game. They 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 they're 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 headed off. Out. The Longhorn fans are leaving. Yeah. Uh, it was incredible. What a what a range of emotions it was, and we'll talk about those last four plays and what didn't happen. Uh, and in the end, yeah, I mean, I, that was a conversation in our car yesterday. Was because my my son and his buddy were at the game, and they were saying, "Man, I would have just just assumed." That that not happen, just take the loss. Yeah, fans, exactly. Oh, it made it a hundred times worse. <laughs> no doubt. That's why. You, that's why they're so upset because everybody reinvested themselves. Yeah, we had. They we had. had to, we had accepted it already. We were going through the stages of grief. It was all good. And Lohan fans are like, all right, you know what? Great season. Yeah, you had to mourn the loss twice. Yes. This texture says he's like, oh man. <laughs> then you came back in. And my wife was like, she told me she's like, babe, you had to come in here and watch the rest of this. And I came in. I was like, what the? What did Kalen DeBoer do? I had to rewind the game. And I was like, oh, Kalen DeBoer, what, how did you screw this up? Well, Running the ball, he should have just kneeled it. I'm sorry, I'm not. I'm happy that he did what he did. But how they? Well, that was the other thing. Why was he running the football? uh, And you know, we do the in-game watch, so we're kind of doing the Manning cast. (laughs) 
Bobby and I, and we're having – I was like, why, Bobby, why isn't he genuflecting here? Why is he <laughs> handing the ball off? Because, you know, Sark's over on the sideline saying, strip the ball, yeah. strip the ball. You're thinking Joe Pasarchek or something crazy happening. It's your only, only chance Texas can win is get the ball back. The clock is That's their it. enemy. And, and then Dylan Johnson gets hurt. Gets hurt. Their starting the running back, who's got an existing foot injury, and now all of a sudden he's hurt, gets wrapped up, and that's what stopped the clock and, and helped the Longhorns, and then a, a, an offside's on the punt. I mean, all these things started the football to football gods were on your like, side at that cow. time. It was like, hold up. We're watching history here, y'all. We're I watching thought, history. I thought, I, for, and that's why Longhorn fans are so upset, because for a brief second, y'all all let y'all self believe. We all did. We like, it's happening. And it was rightful. They're going to do it. From the 11-yard line? They're going to get it, They're going to do it. They're going to do it. Even if they play a bad game, they're going to find a way to win. They go to the national title. And then, they, and then, of course, Washington, all right, made great plays. It's a good. It's a great team. Uh, but, yeah, that's why we're upset. And we – we had to mourn it twice, as the texter said. We were re- reinvested, and I did the same thing too. And then I, ca- I was devastated when I did the post game. I thought I was going to be ready for it, and then I was, de- and I was emotionally devastated when I was like, I was ready for it. I was going to be calm, cool, and collected. I was getting my notes together, and then I did it just, you know, what, what really was just uh, awe, uh, in awe of really how they came back in the game and they're trying, still trying to process it. Yeah. I'm still processing I'm sure Sark is, too. I mean, I think the team is. I think he's kind of like, oh, my gosh. We had a chance. Uh, and so we'll get into it all. Uh, we, you know, we did five hours yesterday from New Orleans and here, but we'll do five more today. Yeah. And, um, you know, for be your sounding board and your conversation, the text line is open. 512-447-3776. Let's hit the headlines quickly. Get you caught up on the news of the morning. Rod will take us behind the BOC coming up. We'll hear some of the postmortem from this game. Why did Texas maybe play not their best game? Why didn't their best players step up in big moments? And Washington certainly credit to them. Outside of that last two minutes, they certainly did. Uh, and I would say this for Longhorn fans, and again, it's much better. This angst is better than uh, the apathy of previous it years. Day. It just is. That's, what, this, that's why I tell my wife. I say, argue with you, baby. The best, the best thing I could ever do. I, I do it all day, every day. I'd rather argue with you than hang out with anybody else in the world. Yeah, the low. That's oh, a, that's a nice thing. That's, really, that's like a greeting card, right? Yeah, you know, you're like just, writing a Hallmark card over there. But that's what I feel like with this. I, I love this, this, this yeah. disappointment. Yeah, you'd much rather have this pain than the agony of just. Yeah. We stink kind of thing. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and that's the good part. And it's heading in a good direction. And, look, I'll say it for, for long offense. Look, Michigan's playing for a national championship. They've lost in the semifinal round each of the last two years. Mm-hmm. So you've got to climb it, right? Georgia, before they went back-to-back, they lost a couple of these heartbreakers. It just happens. It's part of the growth. I mean, very rarely does a team like LSU come out of nowhere and just win the damn thing. Yeah. Right? Just in TCU last year, out of nowhere to win the dang thing. Washington may do it. Washington. <laughs> and, you know, Kalen DeBoer had an 11-2 and season a year ago. They have won 21 consecutive games. So yeah, just they haven't been paying attention. Yeah, people aren't really – you know, Oregon was the team. And USC yeah. was the team I was talking about on the West Coast, not Washington. And here they are. But let's get to the top headlines real quick. Uh, Rod will take us behind the BOC coming up. We'll get some off the, uh, the what the facts for the end of our first hour of our five-hour Wednesday conversation. First, the news. Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment in their new location bring it to you. We start with college football, and yesterday, just a day after the season came to an end with that excruciating loss in the CFP semifinal in New Orleans on Monday night, Longhorns have now officially lost junior wide receiver Xavier Worthy. Speedster announced yesterday on social media that he will be headed to the NFL draft. In the NFL draft process, he's considered a potential first-round selection. Uh, Worthy becomes the first Texas star to declare his intention, but certainly won't be the last. There will be more to come between the now and the deadline on the 15th of January. Also yesterday, Georgia All-American tight end Brock Bowers declared for the NFL as well. TV ratings are in for the semifinal games on New Year's Day. Safe to say they were a big hit with the TV audience. Uh, the audience for the Michigan-Alabama game in the Rose Bowl 
peaked at nearly 33 million viewers. According to ESPN, that makes it the highest rated uh, CFP semifinal ever. Final rating for the granddaddy mall came in just north of 27 million viewers per total, making it the most viewed semifinal game in a decade and the most viewed non-NFL sporting event in five years on ESPN and a top 10 cable telecast of all time. Sugar Bowl between Texas and Washington wasn't as big, but did very well with a, uh, a late audience. Uh, nearly 20 million peaked at 24.5 million. On hold, the CFP semifinals were the most watched in six years. Now on to the national championship game Monday in Houston. Matchup of 1 versus 2, 14-0 versus 14-0. Michigan and Washington. Good news for the Huskies yesterday on a radio interview. Washington offense coordinator Ryan Grubb said that their star running back Dylan Johnson is expected to play Monday night in Houston. He aggravated an existing foot injury on that final drive. X-rays taken at the Superdome return negative, according to Grubb, for any structural damage. NFL, official word now that the league is fine. Carolina Panthers owner Dave Tepper, $300,000 for his unacceptable conduct during the team's 26 to nothing loss at Jacksonville in Week 17. A video shows Tepper throwing the contents of a cup into the crowd from his suite before storming off. Uh, guy's out of control, it seems like. Final week of the regular season kicks off in the NFL on Saturday with a doubleheader at Steelers-Ravens in the early game. And then in primetime, the Houston Texans will be in Indianapolis to face the Colts in what is essentially the first AFC playoff game. Both teams are 9-7. and seven. The winner will advance into the tournament. The loser will be out. Dallas Cowboys, meanwhile, in our nation's capital on Sunday to wrap up their regular season against the Commanders. Thanks to their nail-biter win over Detroit on Saturday night, combined with the Eagles' loss to the Arizona Cardinals on Sunday, a win for the Cowboys in Week 18, and they will be the NFC East champs and the two-seed in the NFC. Horn headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. A new year and a new store. Come see our new beauty location at 200 Trademark Drive to rent, buy, or repair any construction and lawn equipment you need. TopGun.net. We'll shoot you straight. All right, so where is Xavier Worthy on your hierarchy of all-time great Texas wide receivers now? Because now he's officially uh, moving on to the NFL. You uh, mean he was an electrifying player, uh, both on receiving you know, wide receiver and special teams. Uh, for Texas, I think you have to put him in. He kind of crosses over into that Eric Metcalf territory too, kind of thing, because he is a playmaker in the in the return game. But um, you know, he was a, he was a handpicked guy for Sark when he got here. He flipped his commitment from Michigan. He was supposed to be a Wolverine. And of course, when Sark got the Texas job, he you know re-recruited him and got him to come to Texas. Uh, he is he's top five, right? I mean, he uh, set a, yeah, set a freshman he, record. I, see, I think he's got an argument for top three. I think he is. He's definitely top five, in my opinion. Definitely top five. I think he's definitely top five. Um, and, and and an argument for top three. I think that's exactly the, 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 what it is. I mean, the, the junior season, the sophomore season, I should say, was kind of a sophomore slump, but it also was revealed injury. he had a hand-to-hand hand injury. Yeah. And this year he was he was outstanding uh, from front to back for Texas in, in all phases. So, yeah, we'll put that out there to the to the listeners and the, the fans. I mean, I think you're right. I mean, certainly top five. And, and Argument for top three. I mean, he, uh, he get most touchdown receptions in a career. He's third behind um, the two, I think, that, might, that you can, they're, they're easily ahead of him. I think Jordan Shipley is the greatest wide receiver in Texas football history. That's my opinion. All right, we can have this healthy debate. Uh, Roy Williams, I believe he's right behind Jordan Shipley. If you want to put Roy Williams ahead of Jordan Shipley, I get that. I'm all good with that. I won't argue because I played against that guy. The guy was an athletic freak of nature. I don't know if we've had a receiver that was more of an athletic freak than Roy Williams. I mean, that dude was next level. So you want to say that, but Roy Williams never scored in the Texas OU game, so I always – Yeah, that's a – I can't say you're the GOAT at wide receiver never scored. I scored more did. touchdowns than Roy Williams in the Texas OU game. Yeah, that's a, that, that's a badge of honor. Yeah. He also – but I do remember you were in the game, Rod. You shredded a Nick Saban defense against oh, LSU, LSU in a Cotton Bowl. Oh, that was, man, that was a – 
It really was. That was actually – can we consider that team won, that LSU team won the national title, I believe, the next year? Yeah. Um, and think about that coaching staff. I mean, that Jimbo Fisher's on that coaching staff. Muschamp's on that coaching staff. And that's Nick Saban. I mean, that, that was actually one of the crowning moments for Mac Brown because they all coached that squad. They whipped that squad. Yeah. Uh, and we came out, and we had a veteran group. And, I mean, that was a good team for LSU. Well, that was a team where you guys were disappointed in the way the Big 12 championship game had gone. We should have been playing for a chance. We should have been the BCS. I mean, we, I mean, we messed that up. That's... Yeah, that was, <laughs> and you guys played like it. You, yeah. you were angry. <laughs> yeah, we played like Georgia played a little bit. Like, and that's yeah. something I want to get into with you. I, it didn't feel like Texas played angry the other night or played Well, with... Washington had a chip on their shoulder. They played like it. Yeah, that's right. Texas didn't play like they had a chip on their yeah. shoulder. Yeah, and that's, you know. Yeah. You know they, they played like they had been um, celebrated all week. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? Celebrated last month, which is fine. And they, they were in, they were in a new new space. And they were in, you know, they were in their in their region. And you, I think for Washington playing on the road helped them. Yeah, because they played on the road last time they played Texas. Boy. Texas being an environment where they were celebrated for having the best season in 15 years, I think it might have hurt them a little bit. I do too, and I think yeah. that uh, look, I mean, you heard the players afterwards. Listen, how many times we hear Texas, you know, holding receipts during the year, like after the game, talking mm-hmm. about something a player F, had F said, F around or, and find out, F around and find out. Well, Washington was the one wearing that T-shirt this week because they were under with a 20-game winning streak. They were a three-and-a-half-point underdog. And they're like, wait a second. We beat this team a year ago. We beat them. And now we're the underdog in this game. They had some trash talk. They had Penix talking trash. And you could tell they played like it. Penix had some trash talk out there. And it didn't feel like Texas had that edge. And there, there are specific plays we can talk about and plan, you know, game plans and then they run the ball enough and all those things. Um, the turnovers were killer. The penalties were killer. They just, you know, Sark called it anxiety. Like they were just almost too amped up. He did say they played like that to start off. To start the Pages. game. And then the second half when you felt like, I mean, because, again, to be 21 all with what did go on in the first half with all the penalties, I mean, seven of the ten penalties came in the first half. And they were, you know, just, you know, your, your, own, your own mistakes, the jumping off sides and, uh, a couple of holding calls on one play or one drive was was killer for Texas, but it was still twenty one all because of the muff punt and then the touchdown that came from it and then the two minute drill touchdown before the half. You know, so you felt like at least at halftime, Rod, hey, okay, get your sea legs, get rid of the anxiety, let's go, and that's when the fumbles come, right? That's when the turnovers come. And Michael Penix, this is where I was really most impressed with Penix. He was hot early, but then in that third quarter into the fourth quarter, when Texas, when it was anybody's ball game, the drive to start the half to go right down the field, stick it in the end zone against Texas, and then when the Longhorns cut it to nine or cut it to six, right? Remember when the crowd was going crazy? Ty, you were there when, when the Longhorns cut it to 20 on the uh, 80 Mitchell touchdown catch. They cut it to 34-28, and that was, I was, I was told, and you can verify, uh, Ty, the loudest the crowd got when it got to a six-point game and you needed a stop halfway through the fourth quarter. That's when Penix engineered that drive that ended up in a field goal, which put it back to nine, and he was just cool as he could be, making throws and not letting Texas get to him. And, uh, uh, but we'll get to it all. We'll talk about it with Ty. He was there in the building. We'll talk about it with Rod and, and myself and you. Uh, the drive back, all the stories from New Orleans, the Big Easy. We got all morning to do it. Five hours begins right now. We're just getting warmed up on a Wednesday on Hook'em Up with Ian Rod B. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook'em Up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Wednesday on The Horn. Hook them up with uh, Ian, Rod, and Ty. Myself and Ty are back from NOLA, where we spent uh, the weekend and into Tuesday. And if you were like us, making that long drive back, the ease in which you get to the Big Easy is not easy getting out of there because of the uh, just the tidal wave of Longhorn fans headed the same direction all at the same time. I think everybody checks out about 11 o'clock, Rod, and gets on the road. All at the same time. Also, also the, the general infrastructure of Louisiana isn't, isn't the oh, best. Oh, no. 
Well, look, I mean, you're, I mean, how long are you driving over miles-long bridges? I mean, it's, it's a swamp. So you, you're only one way in, one way out. I mean, there's, there's just the way that works. And uh, you kind of know it, and you just got to, as I say, pack your patience. My wife tells me this all the time, pack your patience. Pack your patience, Pack man. your patience. Just know it's going to be brutal getting through Lake Charles, and then it's going to bog down all the way through I-10 until you get out of Louisiana. But either way, uh, you're back, and uh, we're talking Texas football, all the angles of a 37-31 loss. Also time, Rod, to start looking forward to some other sports news. We'll get to the Texas basketball teams. Uh, Longhorn's beginning conference play, Longhorn women. But you know, but while we were on the break, Rod lost Rory Harmon. What a crushing blow that is for that, them. That's brutal. And feel, for her. I feel bad for her, man. And she's one of the best players in all of college basketball, and she tore ACL in a practice, I believe. Yeah. And uh, she's that's out the for the year. Coach's worst nightmare, too. Well, she's, yeah, she's the players quarterback get, of the team. Well, just players getting hurt in practice, too. That's right. And, yeah, you're right. She is the, she is the QB of the team. And she's a leader. Well, she's the best emotion. offensive and defensive player. The emotional leader. She's, she's their point guard. Yeah. She's their heartbeat. Uh, so now they got to find a new identity, and you can hear Vic Schaefer this week talking about because they play Texas Tech tonight in Lubbock. Uh, Texas men will play Texas Tech Saturday, and Rodney Terry's team's 11-2, and two, but what are they, right? I mean, they're 11 wins, the best ones against LSU. The two losses came to the best two teams they played, and now they're going to play the gauntlet of the Big 12. So we'll look forward to some basketball. Also, it's a huge weekend in the NFL, Rod. Our Texans play essentially a playoff game on Saturday night. In Indianapolis, C.J. Stroud is back, and the Texans will play the Colts. Winner gets that's, to ten and seven and gets in. Yeah, that's awesome. Loser <laughs> goes home. Um, so that'll be fun. And then the Cowboys, thanks to uh, whether it was officiating charity or whatever went on in that game Saturday night with uh, you know the Detroit Lions, twenty to nineteen win, they get the victory. And then the next day, the Philadelphia Eagles, who are collapsing in front of us, Rod, we kind of watched it for the last month. They lost to Arizona. Uh, the 26th rated offense in the in the league came in and ran all over the Eagles defense. That's amazing. They are disjointed to say the least, and so Dallas can now win the division with a win in Washington on Sunday. So a lot of good stuff to look forward to now, even though the Longhorn season comes to an end, and that's the uh, focus of our attention this morning. And the Longhorns lose 37. I cannot believe the Eagles <laughs> the implosion. I mean, implosion. They're collapsing on themselves like implosion. a dying star. They they literally peaked at like week 12. <laughs> Whenever they played the Cowboys, right around the time, right around. Well, they the, beat the Chiefs, the Cowboys, and right, the right Bills around, in a row. That that with that streak, whatever that was, whether week nine, week nine through twelve, somewhere around. Yeah, there. they will think about that. That's they beat when the, they peaked. They, it's crazy. And they were fortunate to win all those games. I mean, Cowboys fought; they should have beaten them. The Chiefs. Yeah. Uh, Patrick Mahomes had the drop passes, and then, yeah, that was an arrowhead, and then they beat the Bills. They were and, down double digits in one of those games. And too. anybody that was watching could see that, man, they're, they're, not, this, they're, they're, they're lucky to win these games, but they're winning them. So the idea is this winning DNA. Well, okay. you, you play a must-win game on a Sunday against Arizona at home, and their Cardinal team is playing for nothing. Nothing. The pride. And yeah. you know what it showed you, though, more than anything, is Jonathan Gannon came back and had schemes built to beat them. Well, he knew them. Yep. Knew him very he, well. He knows the personnel, and he knows the scheme. That's his scheme. That's his scheme. <laughs> and, yeah, and, and Kyler Murray made a hell of a play. I mean, he made one of the highlight plays of the year, actually. Yeah, he did. Uh, and they, I mean, that, that's a, but that's an Arizona team playing for draft position. That's an Arizona team with, with nothing to, and, and, and what did I say, the 25th or 26th best offense in the league. And they came in and rushed for almost 250 yards. Mm-hmm. Uh, James Conner and, and Kyler Murray. That was rough. Losing and, both their coordinators, you're starting to see it. I mean, and they, they meanwhile, can't stabilize they, it. Meanwhile, the Cowboys caught a huge break. Beat Detroit, and now they can win the division, be the two seed, which means you don't get a week off, but you get to host a playoff game and not travel. Did you see the Jets uh, released Dalvin Cook? I did, mutual. Do you think the Cowboys should be interested in Dalvin Cook? I wouldn't be against with all it. all the injuries they have? I wouldn't be against it with Rico Dowdle and the ankle that he's dealing with and Tony Pollard's ineffectiveness. I don't, I don't hate that at all. 
Uh, and they talked to him during the offseason when he was available. He got his money because I think he had the biggest uh, free agent deal for a running back coming in. I wonder if he'll I wouldn't come hate on it. the cheap. I wouldn't hate it if you're right? a Cowboy fan. They might, they just, I'm just saying, they need solutions right now at running back. That's one of their issues. Especially, yeah, headed into January for sure when yeah. you got to play Detroit maybe again. You have to be, play San Francisco and be able to run the football. All right, we'll get to all that. We'll get to the what the facts for the top of the hour, but it's all burnt orange all the time. Let's go behind the BOC. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And they were all asking themselves the same question. What is behind that curtain? All right, I want to get into the Xavier Worthy news just a little bit before uh, we get back to talking Texas Washington. Of course, we will. Uh, But Xavier Worthy uh, announced, and his mom actually brought this up probably, I don't know, it was like during the season. So maybe like a month or so ago, maybe a few weeks, like six weeks ago. Uh, And it may have been um, longer than that where she hinted that he was it was done like he was going to the NFL. Um and I don't think this shocks anybody. His mom always knows, right? That's why in recruiting, hey, what what does mama think? It matters. <laughs> um uh, so mama knows. Mama said back in the day and he took a picture with his mom uh part of the announcement and I threw the question out there to uh E earlier and I'll throw it out there to you guys as well. Like where does Xavier Worthy now rank on the all-time hierarchy of all-time great receivers at Texas? Um, I, I think certainly in the top five, his case is is a pretty obvious one. Um, seventh in receptions in a single season. Um, he's got uh, sixth in receptions in an, in an entire career. Um, third in touchdowns all time behind Jordan Shipley and Roy Williams. Second and ninth in touchdowns in a single season. Um, he's a touchdown maker. I like that with my wide receivers. And fifth in receiving yards in a career. So I certainly ought to put him in the top five, and I think he's got a case to be in the top three right behind Jordan Shipley and right behind Roy Williams. Uh, so, and I think is what's interesting is is gonna. And I we were talking about this on the on Texas live stream because one of the things that people uh, are looking forward to with Xavier Worthy is him running the forty. Right, he's considered one of the, if not the fastest player in college football. Real analytics. Uh, we can get into this a little bit later on because I still have the data. Real analytics actually, when they did their in game. Um, in-game data on they got these basically radars that can determine how fast a player is running. They do miles per hour. They determined that and this, like I said, this is their data. Real analytics. You can go look them up. Xavier Worthy. They said he's the, he was clocked with the fastest time in college football this year for any ball carrier. They had him at 22.7 miles per hour. Um, it was actually on that punt return that was called back for a penalty. I think I've seen him be faster than that, but this is their data. Uh, and they actually had Jaden Blue as the fastest running back uh, that was signed. You know, Sark like speed, Sark like speed demons. Um, so Xavier Worthy is considered one of the fastest players. I wonder if he will just let the myth of his speed, let that actually do the work for him and increase his draft stock rather than actually running a fast time. I, I know, And I know that sounds crazy, but 
think about it these days because of this data the 40s are none they're nonsensical <laughs> at least for elite players i would think now jacks like rod b you know you're getting drafted where i'm getting drafted you know fourth round in the middle late rounds you got to go earn it so yeah you probably go to the underwear olympics and you need to go run your 40 all right so that, i'm not saying for these guys but he's considered a first or a second round prospect for those guys i wonder if an agent will say no you got the data Texas has the data. Texas football has this data because remember the players, they will brag on social media. Hey, today I was clocked at 20, 21 miles per hour. I'm, I was the fastest in drills at this. They have the data. They have the body monitors too. They have the same technology. Everybody has this stuff now. And you have, you know, basically this uh, quantitative way to figure out how fast somebody is. Football speed, something that we have. Uh, tried to define over generations and tried to quantify. Now you actually have a way to do it. And I wonder if now you're, and I've seen some agents do it, but they've only do it when, done it with quarterbacks because quarterbacks got a lot of clout. A guy like Lamar Jackson, go, no, I'm not running it for you. Please, I'm done. Y'all know how fast I am. Yeah. Trey, and Trey Lance did it too. Trey Lance actually offered up his, uh, it was next-gen stats. They clocked him at 20-something miles per hour, and he decided, no, you know what? Y'all can use that the number. That's actually better than any 40 I could run. That's fantastic. Because a 40 is not an applicable, <laughs> it's not an applicable uh, necessary, you know, uh, drill. And it doesn't apply really to real football. The 10-yard shuttle within the 40 is probably most important when it comes to a data point in evaluation. The 5-10-5 is more important because of change of direction. But the 40 is, is the show, right? The NFL yeah. is all about theater. The Combine is now a TV show. And the main event is a 40-yard dash. So they want players to do it at the Combine. But I do wonder if a big-time player like Xavier Worthy, and it's already been determined, he's fast, fastest player in college football. Why not let that do the work for you instead of going out there running? Now, I understand some players just want to compete, and the coaches want to see you compete. But well, I, think, I, think, I think NFL personnel want to see the, the dog in you. They, they want to see, see the that. dog in you, but I'm talking about my draft stock. I'm no, trying I agree to see you. that dog. I'm trying to see that. That's why Lamar Jackson said, he said, y'all want to see this dog? You've seen that dog. You know what it's called? It's called film. Go watch it. Yeah. You want to see my dog? Go see me 170 pounds running over linebackers. That's the dog, coach. That's right. You know what I mean? That's you don't right. need to see, yeah, you, you want a show is what you want. Yeah, that's right. That's you right. Want to come out there with your hands. Your hand, you come out there with your hand timed. For my 40, when you got digitized times, electronic times, and you're going to come out here with your hand time and go, I got him at fo fo hand time. Nobody cares about your hand time, coach. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I would agree with you because for Xavier Worthy, his knock is going to be size and durability, I think, for the NFL. It, everybody knows he's fast, right, yeah. to your point. You got nothing to, you got nothing to gain there. Well, think of a guy last year like Jordan Addison from USC who didn't run a great 40 time. Remember, he ran like 4-5, mm -hmm. and he ended up sliding in the first round behind some other receivers. He still had a great year with the Vikings before he got hurt. Oh, yeah. And he's gonna, he and Justin Jefferson are going to be one of the better duos of receivers in the league for a long time. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, the, if you were expected to be really fast, and then you, you can only hurt yourself at some level. That's you really can't help it. Yeah, because if you run, let's say you run a, a Like A.D. Mitchell has an important 40 time to yes, run. Yes, he does. Great point. A.D. Yes. Mitchell has an important 40 all he time. He's got to run a, a low 4.5 yeah. or a high 4.4 four and then scout. Yeah, with his body level. control and route running yeah. and just the way he can, you know, high point balls and make catches, he's going to – everybody can see that on film. They want to see just how fast and twitchy he actually is. Yeah. Can he get separation? Can he get off coverage? Yeah. That's going to be the important thing for A.D. Xavier, we know that. He's twitchy. He's fast. You're right. He can, he can run. Want, His question is durability. Yeah, because honestly, he's going to be trying to put on a little weight. Yes. Before the combine. I'm sure he's going to be trying to put on about, you know, five, six pounds of muscle.
just so he because they got to pass the eye test when you're that's right. when you're in front of these coaches too. So I just want I'm not saying he's gonna do that. I haven't heard anything. This is not me citing sources at all. It's just a theory as a football theorist because at one point I know these big time agents are gonna start using this data. They already use it, and the NFL has this data. And next year's and the coaches at the universities and these legit institutions have this data, and it's it's confirmed and it's legitimate. I'm sure you can just present it. Like, no, nah, we got the data here. The I don't, I don't says, think you're wrong at all. You know, well, but you're right. I mean, the NFL will pressure, hey, man, we want to see – because they want to yes, see him run. They, they want to see the 40. They see, and one thing that Bobby Bird mentioned, I think it's a good point, they do want um, historical comparisons. And they didn't have the digital com- times. They didn't have electronic times. So they do want to be like, man, this guy at this at this size, he's just like Bo Jackson because he's yeah, they want the comp. They yeah, they do. They want historical comparison. So I do understand that. I get that for the hands. I think most of it's just it's almost fetish- they fetishize it to a certain extent. Sure. Uh, well, yeah, because that's yeah, that's the show. That, <laughs> that's how exactly. they that's how they've got people to tune in to yes. uh, four or five days of combine coverage, the underwear Olympics, and uh, the 365 day year calendar of the NFL. Uh, for sure, this says Kansas City could use Worthy right now. That's the name we keep seeing in mock drafts is KC. I see seeing A.D. Mitchell or Xavier Worthy, too, the Kansas This says, I've seen a mock draft with A.D. Mitchell going to the Texans in the first round. That would be big time. Uh, yeah. By the way, Texans need a receiver to go with Nico Collins and C.J. Stroud. That would not be bad. And Houston's drafting with Cleveland's pick, and Cleveland's a playoff team. So it's not going to be a super high pick. Remember, they gave their pick to Arizona yeah. in the Will Anderson trade. Uh, last year, last April. It's, supposed, uh, it's a deep wide receiver draft, too. I mean, Daniel Jeremiah has said that repeatedly. By the way, they say that they say that before every draft. Well, because it's the deepest it, position. It's the deepest position in football at any level. It's just, it, it really is. And they'll say that all the time. But this, this wide receiver draft is really deep. I mean, they're going to have potentially three top ten wide receivers. Yeah, they're you talking about Marvin uh, Harrison Jr. Uh, you're talking about Malik Neighbors, uh, the, the receiver coming out of LSU. He's really high. Romo Dunze. Yeah. He's considered a top ten pick. Texas just saw that. Yeah. Real good player. Uh, and I would say this. Uh, I did see the I, – I saw an interview with Daniel Jeremiah where he said he's already done his pre-scouting and he's got 10 receivers with a, kind of a top 50 kind of grade. Oh, yeah. He's player. Not, he says Romo Dunze was his favorite. He said that prior to the game, he said that's his favorite wide receiver. Not Marvin Harrison Jr., not any of them. He said it's Romo Dunze. Because we're getting a lot of messages on the text line about the Texas secondary. And you've gone through in these behind-the-burn orange curtains with Texas fans through the recruiting and the portal that they're looking for coverage. Yes. And you saw why on, on Monday night. Yeah. I mean, Romo Dunze, I mean, that's not a good matchup against any of them. Terrence Brooks, <laughs> Ryan Watts. Texas doesn't have an answer for Romeo Dunze. I mean, Terrence Brooks maybe two years from now or next year as he yeah. continues Malik, to improve. Malik Muhammad in a year or so. Yes, yes. Kobe Black coming in, a five-star from Waco, those guys down the road. But, yes, Ryan Watts. Right now? No. That's not a good matchup. I mean, that's an NFL player against a, a guy who's maybe going to play on Sundays, but that's a top 15 pick that you're trying to cover man-on-man, uh, man, that's going to be a win. And that's, that's why that Washington offense is, the, offense is the number one passing offense in the country with a quarterback that can deliver the ball like that. Well, because very few teams, if any, have well, got the DBs that can match up with three NFL wide receivers. Because what's the best wide receiving core in college football, guys? Yeah. It is, period. Now, now we know. With the we best quarterback. With the best quarterback in college football. And with the, the best O-line yeah. in college football. And a football. real good coach. It's the best offense, I think, in college football. That's why I love this matchup between Washington and Michigan. Because I think you may have the best defense in college football, potentially. Literally versus the best offense in college well, football. And unlike overall. maybe Coach Sark on Monday night, Michigan will not not run the ball. Yeah, <laughs> they will keep but, but come in from with, the bench. They will. They'll come in with a different game plan. Uh, I think Washington, as far as their defense goes, because it was almost like Washington was giving Texas the run game, 
uh, and because of their penalties and Sark and whatever yeah, they, turnovers, they didn't take advantage of it. Enemy. Yeah. yeah, but um, Jim Harbaugh will run the ball. Oh, he's going to run the rock. <laughs> he's going to run the rock. Yeah. That, that's a fascinating matchup. We'll start diving into that, but obviously more on the Texas game and the loss on Monday night for folks who are now back in the ATX from New, New Orleans. Uh, but good stuff right there with Rod. Somebody said, where does Jatavion Sanders rank among tight ends? Because Brock Bowers declared yesterday, too. Uh, I believe he's the, the second highest rated tight end coming out in the draft. Yeah, so January 15th is the date to remember. That's the the deadline for players to put their name in the NFL hopper. So, yes, you're going to hear from A.D. Mitchell at some point here. You're going to have to hear from Alfred Collins. Um, you know, obviously, Jatavion Alfred Sanders. Is playing in the senior bowl, is he, he is, not? yeah. Yeah, okay. So Senior bowl, uh, along with Tavondre and, uh, you know. If, if you get one, even one of those guys to come back. It'd be it, huge. It, it'd be huge. Either one of those positions, man, it'd be big time. It would be. All right, we'll follow that into January as we are now into 2024. And happy new year to all of you who are just tuning in for the first time, maybe in the new year, back from NOLA. We'll pick up those conversations. Rod's got a rant coming up in our next hour. Coming up next is what the facts, some facts what from the, the facts. game that are just perplexing and just weird from uh, Monday night. Uh, you look at the stats, and it was an even game, but it didn't feel like an even game on the field. We'll talk about it with you and uh, what went wrong for the Longhorns on Monday night and what's to come for the Longhorns moving forward now into the Southeastern Conference and into their offseason. We're coming back uh, busy Wednesday on Hook'em Up with Ian Rod. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook'em Up, 101.9 AM 1260, The Horn. Wednesday on the Horn, back in the ATX. I am. Rod was here the whole time, and it's Happy New Year to you. Ties back as well from the Big Easy. I'm sure a lot of you folks are also making that uh, arduous trip home down I-10. Hmm. Be careful on the road. Man. Yeah, be careful. No, it was, it was, was kind of like the Longhorn game where it kind of felt like they were, you were playing uphill the whole way. <laughs> Longhorns were kind of swimming, swimming upstream, trying to chase in Washington the whole game. It seemed that way. And in the end, they nearly won the ball game, but uh, that, that was the trip back I-10. Traffic through... Louisiana trying to get the heck out of there, then Houston traffic at rush hour, and then the rainstorm. The last – like you're, you're, you're almost home and you kind of can smell the finish line, and oh, then, yeah. then you drive into a just an absolute monsoon, <laughs> which is like right there in like LaGrange. Yeah. And you're like, oh, this is the next, last, next hour and a half. Oh, man. And I looked at the radar. I'm like, oh, geez. But, uh, yes, glad to be back. And um, as we said, you know, we're going to be the optimistic show, which we typically are, Rod. We, we give you the facts. We give you the uh, the clarity. But at the same time, it's better to be talking about disappointment from Monday night than the apathy of previous years. Like yep. the, the program's heading to a good place. you got to crawl before you can walk. And I want to get to you with you into, you know, what went wrong. But, it, you know, in our What the Facts segment, Rod, it, it's a fact when you go to the numbers. And stats are for losers, right? We know that. Stats are for losers. But at the end of the day, the Longhorns' total yards were about the same as uh, – as Washington, I mean, Washington won total yards, but not by a lot. It was, you know, 7.6 yards per play for Washington, 7 for Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the numbers, here's a stat, a fact that from, the, from the box score that I don't understand. Washington ran 71 plays. Texas ran 70. Yet the time of possession was 36.5 to 23.5. Weird. Uh, they ran the same amount of plays. Now, I well, know a lot of the Texas I, plays were accumulated in two-minute drill. I was going to say, yeah, there you go. <laughs> and uh, what's even more perplexing about that is Texas was able to run the ball. Yeah. And they still got dominated in time of possession. Yeah. Yeah. I, they, 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 they were averaging over six yards per carry for most of the game. At one point, they were averaging like over eight yards per carry in, early, in the first half. And 
yet they ended up in third and long, third and seven plus, and actually third and ten plus, if you start looking at it, over 50% of the time on their third downs. And the reason is their <laughs> own penalties, and then it was Washington that forced negative plays. Texas didn't force any negative plays in the game, just one, the whole game. Uh, Washington forced a bunch. Braylon Trice was a problem. He was a one-man wrecking crew. And, you know, I know we talked about it on the on-game watch that um, Washington statistically for the year was not very good defending screen passes. So Texas came in with a lot of, you know, screens that they tried to throw. But Washington had prepped for that, right? They were ready to be better in screen game. And several of those screens went for negative plays. And, uh, you know, Longhorns were hoping to get chunk plays on those and they don't work. And, yeah, so, you know, credit Washington for forcing negatives and Texas – you know, was behind the chains because of penalties, and then the two big turnovers in the second half were critical it for really, Longhorns. The crazy thing was, it really wasn't necessarily the, the Washington defense creating a lot of those plays. It was just Braylon Trice. They had 14 pressures. He had eight of them. Yeah. Like that guy had three sacks, a, two tackles for two, loss. He forced a fumble. He forced sacks, the fumble of, of, of C.J. Baxter. Four defensive stops, one forced fumble, two sacks. He, he, and they moved him around the front. And Texas, they, didn't, they, they did not have a clear plan to stop Braylon Trice. And I'll give you Braylon Trice stats as we're talking about what the facts. Uh, y'all got to put some respect on this dude's name, man. He is a dog, a dog. Here's a little stat about him. He hasn't left the field all season long. I'm not making that up. He has more snaps on the D-line than any player in college football. 753. Jeez. He has not left the field. Our guys, we got great defensive players. They have to leave the field at, at least a quarter of the time to give them some rest. He doesn't leave the field. Dog. That's awesome. That's a dog, guys. Come well, on now. Well, and that's really what that game streamed <laughs> on Monday night. And the uh, Longhorns have been the dogs this year, right, playing the revenge tour and uh, – you know, keeping receipts on things and, and avenging earlier losses. Washington was the, the team that played with the dog in them. Uh, and, you know, they just – their best players played great, and that's a fact in the What the Fact segment, Rod. Um, that their, their best players, Michael Penix, uh, Braylon Trice, who we talked about for a month, Longhorns have to have a good plan for him off the edge. But they also were moving him around, right? He came off the edge. He beat uh, Christian Jones a couple times. One, he got a sack in, uh, out of empty, and one, he got a, a holding call on, on Christian – then they brought him up the B-gap right, Rod, right up the middle, and you got middle pressure. He was a problem for Texas, and they didn't have a good answer for him. And the Longhorns didn't have one of those guys that was impacting the game and forcing negative plays the other way, didn't feel like. No, uh, actually, Troy Faltanu, their left tackle, zero pressures allowed in that game versus Texas. So he had a great game, and nobody had a better game than Michael Penix. Pro Football Focus, uh, now with their numbers out, said he was 6 of 8 on 20-plus yard throws versus Texas. 238 yards and two touchdowns on deep passes uh, against Texas. So uh, Michael Penix was he was the show, um, and Texas just did not have an answer for him. How about this little little nugget? Last nugget about Michael Penix comes from uh, a Huskies uh, insider reporter. He says Michael Penix uh, basically had uh, 20 targets to his wide receivers and only one incompletion to his top four wide receivers. They One were incompletion targeting that group. It was similar, and I said this yesterday to Joe Burrow with his guys at LSU back in 2019. Right, they're just they're at some level they're unstoppable because that guy picks the right matchup, makes the right throw, and those guys are really good. Uh, three NFL receivers and an NFL quarterback. That's a problem. Plus an offensive line that can protect it, like we talked about. And we'll talk more about Texas here as we move forward. What has to you know Quinn Ewers has to take that next step and become that kind of player at quarterback. He's better this year. He's got to get even better. They need to develop more dogs on the defensive side of the ball because when you're playing at that level, Rod, you're playing in the top four in the country. Got to have that dog. That's the margin, right? You need mm-hmm. elite players to play elite. And you need coaches to coach elite. Amen.
Amen, brother. First hour of five, we roll on. Took him up with Ian Rodby.